Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Monday, October the 16th, 2023. And yes, we are halfway through October. And yes, it is so good to be back in Virginia and to be back with you all. We had a wonderful time away, beautiful wedding, time with family, and then a daddy-daughter trip with me and Isabella down to Disney World, which was very enjoyable, and that was wonderful. But I'm happy to be back with you all, and I hope that this finds you doing well. Whether you are joining us on Monday, October the 16th, or whenever you happen to find this, I'm glad that we have this time together. Um, what we find ourselves doing is just making our way through, y'all. We started in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, and we went and went and went, and then we took a break, and now we are back in Acts, and we've been rolling for some time, and we find ourselves in chapter 14 today. Um, and what we're really witnessing is the rise of the church. We're witnessing the acts of the apostles, right? That's what the book is named after. But also we are witnessing the rise of the church. And if you recall, the last time we were together, and I was away last week, but the week before, the last time we were together, we saw a pivotal transition moment where we see that Paul has very clearly received a calling from the Lord to continue to carry the gospel but to take it to the Gentiles, back in Acts chapter 13, verse 47, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And then what we find is a divided group. We see that the Gentiles heard this. They were glad and honored uh, the word of the Lord, but the Jews were, of course, infuriated by this. Then we find this paradigm of Paul, Barnabas, shaking the dust from their sandals and proceeding to the next region. Now, where we are coming to today is Iconium in Acts chapter 14, and also a key principle is revealed. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's pray first, and then we'll dig in. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and I thank you for everybody who is here and is a part of these devotionals. What a wonderful thing it is to see how you have built your church in the past, the, the acts of faithfulness that you have given, and also to know that you still hold the church in your hands. You, you love the church. You died for the church. So let us love the church as well, but let us be realistic about this life that we lead and about what it means to come and follow you. Please guide us now by your Holy Spirit. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So we're picking up today in Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. We find out that at Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. Time out. Stop right there. Immediately, we are confronted with something here, aren't we? It's a moment where we say, well, which one is it? Didn't Paul and Barnabas just say in chapter 13, all right, Jews, you know what? Y'all are done with Jesus. You've turned your back on him again and again. Now we're going to the Gentiles. So it does beg the question then, what, what, what are they doing in the Jewish synagogue? It's, 
Which one is it? Are they going to go to the Gentiles? Are they going to go to the Jews? Which one? Well, there's a couple of things at play here. The first is that Paul and Barnabas, though Paul has revealed this calling to go to, into the Gentile world, realize he's in the Gentile world, right? There are Jews there because of the great diaspora, the great disbursement of Jews. But nevertheless, he's continuing along that path, and he's carrying the gospel to whoever will hear it, okay? But there is something else at play here. You know, if it weren't for just a couple of little words there, we might have a completely different understanding. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. And then it talks about what they did there. Y'all, not only is this an example of Paul and Barnabas carrying out this calling that they have received, what we find out here is that their locale in which they share the gospel, in which they preach and teach, is not just the Jewish synagogue because it's, it's a nice place to be or it's a good format or, hey, they got good acoustics here. No, no. -uh. It was their custom to be in the synagogue. All right. Um, if you rewind to Jesus's earthly ministry, we find out the same exact thing about Jesus, that it was his custom to gather with the people of God to worship God. Now, this is not the force of the passage here that I'm sharing with you, but a principle is revealed here that is pertinent. And that principle is one of practice. It says that they went into the synagogue as usual. In other words, it was their custom to worship God with the people of God. What is your custom? Now, this is not a new thing that I've hit on in daily devotionals. It's been a theme that has been carried out all 512 or 513 times we've been together. And for those of you that have been here from the beginning, you know, I say it over and over and over again. You need to be a regular part of a Bible-believing church. And that doesn't just mean online. It doesn't just mean, you know, watching Charles Stanley on television or anything. Nope. You need to be a regular part of a Bible-believing church. You need to gather with the people of God to worship God. And also, you have gifts. You may not be missing the church if you're not a regular part of the church. But let me tell you something. The church is missing you. If you know Jesus, you have been equipped uniquely to do things that he has for you to do. And the context in which he has them for you to do them is in the church. I, I, I mentioned this in the prayer. Y'all, you can't love Jesus if you don't love the church. Jesus died for the church. And I know churches can be messed up. I know problems can come up. I know interpersonal conflict. I get all of that. But y'all, I challenge you to find more difficult church situations than those of the New Testament. And never once do you see the apostles, never once do you see God revealing his word that, hey, you know what? The answer is maybe you should just leave the church and go out being Christian on your own. No, never, not once, ever is that an option. Make sure it's your custom to be a part of church. Now, all of that being said, that's not the force of the passage. But this is a devotional, and uh, and you're here. But nevertheless, all right. So we find out Paul and Barnabas, they go into the Jewish synagogue as usual. And there they spoke effectively 
all right, that they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed, all right? But amazing, but common. That's the format. That's what they did. But we see a twist. Verse 2, but the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. Y'all, the dynamic here is very simple. They're going in, they're preaching effectively, the word is going out, the Lord, the word is being honored and the Lord is honoring the work. People are coming to believe, but the Jews who hate Jesus are stirring up dissension against Paul and Barnabas. And it's interesting, they're actually working with the Gentiles. Who would have known? The gospel brings people together for different reasons. Sometimes because they're united under the gospel, sometimes because they're united against the gospel. And the whole world falls into one of those two categories. And no, I'm not oversimplifying things. Nevertheless, nevertheless, we have this dynamic going on where they're going in, they're preaching, they're teaching, it's effective, people are coming to know. The devil is working through the Jews to stir up dissension. And so what do you find? Interestingly enough, almost the same language as John. As a result of this dissension, they are given the ability to do, did you catch it? Signs and wonders. Remember the value of the sign is never the sign itself. I talk about it all the time on here with you. The value of the stop sign. I'm sitting in my office right now. I'm, I, we're on Old Providence Road. It comes in Old Providence and Spotswood Road right here at this T. There's a stop sign at the end. If I blow through that stop sign, it will not uproot itself, drive itself through my engine block and puncture my tires and literally stop my car. It doesn't have the power to do that. The power of the sign is never that. The power of the sign is in what the sign points to, what the sign directs you to. Namely, if there's a sheriff's deputy sitting down in the parking lot of the, uh, the old stone hall, he might come up and give me a piece of paper to remember why I should stop at stop signs or the, the danger that the stop sign points to. If I don't, I might get in a collision. All sorts of things can happen, but the value of that stop sign is not the physical stop sign. The value is in what it points to. It's the same way with what Paul and Barnabas are doing here. They are given signs and wonder to point to the validity of their message, and it is effective. Verse four, we find out something else though. And y'all, this is the principle that I alluded to earlier. A principle that though this was written some 2,000 years ago about events that took place almost 2,000 years ago, this principle remains the same. This is the truth of the world around you. And this is why I said the whole world can be divided by those that are united by the gospel and those that are united against the gospel. Because as verse four says, the people of the city were divided. Y'all, that's what the gospel does. The gospel divides. And the reason it divides is because of what it is. You see, the gospel, while it contains truth, irrefutable truth, the gospel presents a proposition. And that proposition is you will either turn to Christ in faith seeking for him to be Lord of your life, desiring to turn your life over to him, or you will rise in enmity against him, rejecting the gospel. 
There is no third option. And so when things create that stark uh, uh, of a separation, it's going to bring division. Didn't Jesus indicate as much when he made comment about why he came, that, that he came to divide households, that he came to split people apart? He didn't mean that in terms of controversy. He didn't mean that in terms of willfully trying to bust stuff up. It's just the gospel has consequences. And you can take that to the bank. Y'all, truth goes out for multiple reasons. One reason truth goes out is that God is the spirit of truth and he is glorified when truth is spoken. That's a that's a, just a general statement, blanket statement. But y'all remember, truth also goes out for two other reasons. The first is that truth would change people, that they would hear it, that by God's grace and, and, and the, the, the quickening of the Holy Spirit, they would recognize the truth and they would respond to it. But the truth also goes out not for people to respond to it. Truth also goes out so that it will serve as an indictment at the last day. So that no one has an excuse that can say, well, I never, this is the first time I'm hearing this. No, no, no. The truth goes out also to indict. And as a result, as Paul and Barnabas preached, as they taught, as they did these signs and wonders, and many people came to know the Lord, many other people firmly planted their feet in the sand to rise up against the Lord because they refused to believe, according to our text. Verse 4, the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. Remember what I said about how you will either unite under the gospel or against the gospel? You got people working together for the first time since, well, Jerusalem with Jesus. You remember what that looked like? It looked like the Jews going to Pontius Pilate to execute Jesus. And when Jesus was presented to them and Pontius Pilate said, behold your king, what did they say? They said, we have no king but Caesar. This is not the first time that Jews and Gentiles have worked together to destroy the gospel or to make an attempt at it. Nevertheless, what we find is this. Verse six, but they found out about it, Paul and Barnabas, and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding countryside where they continued to preach the good news. Y'all, this is the end of this little section. Tomorrow, when we come back together, we'll continue in verse eight and actually deal with them in Lystra and in Derby. But for what it is at the moment, again, this principle shines forth that the gospel is divisive. Now, what does that have to do with you and me? Well, today in our world, nothing has changed. You know, our world that prides itself on being tolerant and accepting, and, and, and all of these different things. Y'all know that's just a facade. It's just a fake. The world is tolerant of everything that buys what it tells it to buy and believes what it tells it to believe. But Christianity has always stood up against the world, at least it's supposed to. The church in the West has done a rather poor job of this as of late, you know, the past few decades. But nevertheless, the church is to stand against culture being like that city on a hill that Jesus described in Matthew, it, not hiding our light, but letting it shine forth. Y'all, this applies to us in that when you tell the truth, when you stand for what is right, it is going to be divisive. 
But nevertheless, read between the lines of what we've seen with Paul and Barnabas. The Lord always provides a way forward in telling the truth. The Lord always provides a way forward for his gospel to go out. Again, our guest speaker for special services said, and I love the way that he said it, when you honor the word, the Lord honors the work, right? And that's not a pay-to-play statement. It's not some magical paradigm or anything like that. It's just a simple equation that when you are focused on the truth, when you are focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Lord honors that. He honors it in different ways. Sometimes he honors it by allowing Christians to be persecuted, for there is no greater reward than to be treated as the Savior was treated. Sometimes he honors that by providing a way forward for the gospel, as we just read about. The Jews and the Gentiles and the Gentile leaders come together to murder Paul and Barnabas. But you can't stop the gospel. They don't realize that. They should, but they don't. Instead, the gospel goes forth. But the gospel goes forth not only because of the power of the gospel, but because of how the Lord worked in Paul and Barnabas. You see, they knew that the gospel divided, but it was a worthy endeavor. And that's your devotional thought for today. While you may face persecution, while you may face difficulty for telling the truth, the truth is what matters. You may face all sorts of difficulty, And it will cause division. But my friends, what a privilege the Lord has given us in allowing us to be part of his grand redemptive plan. What a privilege he gives us to be the heralds, to be the messengers of the truth in this world full of lies. Recognizing that the gospel divides, let us not run from it. Let us run to it with grateful hearts, telling the truth and leaving it to the Lord, determining it's the Lord's business to decide whether he will use that truth to change someone and draw them to himself or to convict at the last day. That's the Lord's business. Our business is to go forward. And oh, when we do, the Lord always provides a way. That's what we see from Paul and Barnabas. That's what you will see in your life too. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you for, again, the Acts of the Apostles, this book of the Bible where we can read the things that took place, things that were going on. Thank you for this example. Thank you. Thank you that the gospel divides because the division points to the fact that people are hearing the truth. But we pray that folks would respond and turn to you. Now, please be with us as we go forward. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. It's good to be back with you. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Until then, I hope you have a fantastic Monday or whatever it is that you, uh, whatever day it is you happen to find this. Lord willing, we'll see you again soon.